Welcome to another inspirational message from Chowdean Community Church, Gateshead. For more information about Chowdean, visit www.chowdean.org.uk. We hope you enjoy the podcast. I wonder what your favourite book is. Don't have to tell me. Just have a think. I wonder what it is other than the Bible. One of my favourite books is called Anne of Green Gables. Has anybody read it? Or did you see the, the TV adaptation that they did of it in the 1980s? They've just done a new one. So if I've got any Anne of Green Gables fans here, it's on Netflix, seven episodes. It's a bit, I watched them all in a binge last weekend, and it's a bit different. I'm very loyal to the original version, but, but it's, it's very good. And one of the things that got me about the story of Anne of Green Gables was just how her life was transformed by having two people there who loved her. And she got into all kinds of scrapes. And she fell off the roof and she smashed her slate across the boy's head and everything in the class. But her life was transformed because two people really loved her. And so I just want you to think just for a minute, just about what a difference it makes in our lives when we really know that we're loved. And I wonder who it is in your life, other than God, other than God, who is it? that really, really makes you feel loved, really valued? Who is that person who's got your back, who's always there for you? What's so special about that relationship that you have with that person? And what difference has it made to you? Probably more than one person. Now think, still thinking about maybe that person or those couple of people who... They're the special people who really love you. They've always got your back. Do they know everything? Do they really know everything about you? Do they know every thought, every feeling, every frustration, every weakness that you have, every angry thought, every struggle? And my guess would be probably not. Probably not, because... We filter things, don't we? And that's good, and it's, it's right, because we, we have self-control, and we have wisdom, and we know that it's not right to see everything that comes into your head. But wouldn't it be fascinating if people could read our minds, and if we could read other people's minds? I wonder how many of us would still have the threads that we have if we could read each other's minds. I wonder, I wonder who we would still be able to keep loving if we could read everybody's minds. I thought about this the other day, and I think I came up with my son. <laughs> I thought if everybody could read my mind, and I could read everybody else's mind and say every thought and every feeling, who would I still be able to love, and who would still be able to love me? And I thought, I think my dad would still love me. I think I'd still love my son. I'm not sure beyond that. (laughs) It's a bit of a scary thought, isn't it? Thankfully, we don't have mind readers. We we have illusionists who pretend, but they don't. But you know, the thing is, God does see it all, every single little bit, and he still chooses to love us. 
And there is so much we could say. I haven't got very long this morning. I know that you can't exhaustively talk about the love of God in 10 or 15 minutes, but God's just put a couple of things on my heart to say this morning that I think he's been teaching me, and I really felt it was right to bring them. So let's have a look at some verses from Psalm 139 together. I'm sure some of you will have read this psalm many times. It says, O Lord, you've searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. And before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. You hem me in. I keep thinking of a hug like that. You hem me in behind and before, and you, you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed down in the depths, you are there. And if I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame wasn't hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Now, I wonder how we react when we read those verses. Does it scare you? Does it freak you out that God sees and knows everything, and that there's nowhere to hide from him? Or does it make you feel safe and known and cherished? Because it's amazing, really, to think that God sees everything about us, and yet he chooses still to love us. And, and it's not a judgmental love, although, of course, God is the ultimate judge. But it's an amazing, sacrificial, merciful, hugging, all-encompassing love. There's nowhere that we can escape from it. And it's, it's not like a scary, stalking kind of love. It's not like, you can't escape me. It's not that kind of love at all. It's a love that will always find us and always rescue us. A love that carries us. A love that will never leave or forsake us. And a love that says, come to me, you who are weary, and I will give you rest. A love that says in Psalm 103, for as, as this is what we sang about earlier, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Just think on that just for a minute. Because God is saying... He is like a father to us. And he says that you can't measure his love. And he's not blind to our faults. But when we come to him for forgiveness, 
all our sins are just removed so far away that you just can't, you can't measure the distance. They're unreachable. They're out of touch. It's not an ordinary love, is it? It's not just a nice, warm, kind of cuddly love. It's passionate and it's strong. And it should be life-changing, shouldn't it? It should be life-changing. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, it says, How great is the love that the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Oh, I love that word, lavished. Lavished. It's like what my son does when he puts Nutella on his toast. He doesn't just put a little bit, he scoops it out of the jaw and he spreads it on so thick that even though he's 12, he still ends up with it all around his mouth afterwards. God, it's like Nutella. God lavishes his love on us. Have you ever had a really unexpected gift? So I don't mean at Christmas time or birthday times when you may expect to get something, you know, wouldn't be a surprise if you got a gift on your birthday or Christmas. But something totally out of the blue, has it ever happened to you? Something that really has completely blessed you but taken you by surprise. Somebody's just been so kind and generous. Last year at our church, I spoke at our Easter service. It was a family service and I was talking about the different kind of smells that you might encounter through the, the Easter story. All the different smells, the kind of the sweat, the olives, the perfume, all kinds of things. And as an aside, I just mentioned that I was saving up my boots points. Have you got a boots card? So I, was, I said, oh, do you know, we're talking about the perfume and the anointing on Jesus' feet. And I said, oh, I love Chanel number no. five, but I've never, ever had a bottle of Chanel number no. five because it's so expensive. But what I do do is occasionally go into Boots and like, get the testers and spray myself all over with it, spray my coat and everything, and then kind of go away. And I, and I decided I was going to save up my Boots points, even if it took years until I had enough and I would treat myself because I couldn't bring myself to actually pay for a bottle but I'll treat myself when I've got enough boots points and I mentioned this and then I forgot completely all about it about three months later one of our older ladies at church Audrey she's lovely she came up to me at the end of the service and she had a little bag and she said Jane do you remember the Easter service and I said oh yeah I do I'd forgotten completely she said this for you and she'd gone and she got me a bottle of Chanel number five <laughs> and I was blown away and I mean I, I get emotional about things anyway I mean I fill up still talking about it and it was last year and um, I'm wearing it this morning by the way it's my Sunday perfume <laughs> but I mean I cried I sobbed I, I was so overcome I just was utterly overwhelmed. I sobbed so much that one of our elders came over and I think he thought that there'd been a tragedy because I was really, I was shaken. And he said, what's the matter? And I said, look what Audrey's got me. And I explained and he said, he looked and he said, well, next time I'm speaking, I'm going to just drop in that I'm saving for a new car and see what happens. <laughs> but you know what? She did that for no other reason than she wanted to bless me. Romans chapter 5 says, verses 6 to 8, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's us. Very rarely will someone die for a righteous person, although for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. 
But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's no greater way to show love, is there? Nothing more that you can do than to give your life for somebody. And I just keep thinking, if we could all truly grasp how immense this is, how undeserved, how unexpected, how unasked for that the Son of God would die for us, not because we're anything special, just because we're his children. And he sees our hearts, and he knows our thoughts, and he loves us. It would transform our lives. I spend a part of my week teaching primary school children, and we have this thing at school called SPAG, which is spelling, punctuation, and grammar. And the children I teach need to know the difference between a subordinate clause and an expanded noun phrase. And they need to start their sentences with uh, fronted adverbials. Doesn't this sound fascinating? It's not very good for creativity, but never mind. (laughs) But they do know the difference between a noun and an adjective and an adverb and a verb. It's absolutely true to say that God is kind, that God is merciful, that God is generous, he's holy, he's just, and he's forgiven, and so on. Those are all adjectives. They are describing the character of God. But in 1 John chapter 4, there's something different. Verses 7 and 8 say, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And that's a noun. It doesn't say God is loving. God is love. It's a noun. He defines himself first and foremost with love. And we read in 1 Corinthians 13 what that love is like. It says it's patient and it's kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It isn't rude and it isn't self-seeking. It isn't easily angered and it keeps no record of wrongs. It rejoices in the truth, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. That's the way we are loved by God. That's the way he loves us. And Romans 8 tells us that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God, nothing in this world, nothing in the next. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that's ours in Christ Jesus. So does it make a difference in our lives? Does it make a difference in our lives? Is it just something that we sing about or we read about? Or does it transform us? I've bought another one of my favorite books here this morning. It's called The Velveteen Rabbit. It was written in 1922. Personally, I think that the makers of Toy Story stole the script from this. Okay, The Velveteen Rabbit is a little soft toy that a boy has. And at night, the magic of the nursery means that the toys can talk. And this is what the Velveteen Rabbit says to the skin horse. What is real? asked the rabbit one day, when they were lying side by side near the nursery fender, before Nana came to tidy the room. Does it mean having things that buzz inside you and a a sticky-out handle? Real isn't how you are made, said the skin horse. It's a thing that happens to you. When a child loves you for a long, long time, 
not just to play with, but really loves you, then you become real. Does it hurt? asked the rabbit. Sometimes, said the skin horse, for he was always truthful. But when you are real, you don't mind being hurt. Does it happen all at once, like being wound up? He asked, all bit by bit. It doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. You become, and it takes a long time. That's why it doesn't often happen to people who break easily or have sharp edges or have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you are real, most of your hair has been loved off and your eyes drop out and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all because once you are real, you can't be ugly, except to people who don't understand. When we allow the truth of how much God really actually loves us to invade our lives, it should illuminate us. It should bring us to life like the rabbit. It should energize our spirit because it's the wonderful, sacrificial love that Jesus showed us on the cross that breathes life into us. And it's the only way we can be transformed into the people that we were created to be. And our response should be to love one another as Jesus has loved us. In John 13, he said, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Everyone will know by this that you are my disciples if you love one another. So just as God allowed himself to be primarily defined by love, so should we. We love because he first loved us. And the way that we love other people should have the same strength and passion and sense of sacrifice and kindness and everything else. Do we? Do we love like this? Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The more we understand God, the more we understand how to love. Because God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God lives in them. And it's like, a, it's like a wonderful circle, but it's not a vicious circle. It's an amazing cycle. The more we're loved by God, the more we can love others. The more we live in love, the more we know God. The more we know God, the more we understand his love. And then it goes on. And then it goes on. What a wonderful cycle to be caught up in. And this last bit, this is the bit I really believe God wanted me to say this morning. I, I believe there's somebody here, or maybe more than one person, who needs to hear it. And it's this. Not just that God loves us. Not just what an amazing life-transforming love that is. But we matter to God. We matter to God. All of our hopes and dreams, our fears, our weaknesses, and our joys, and our sorrows, we matter to God and when we come to God and we talk to him about the things that concern us we shouldn't fall into the trap of thinking oh, I shouldn't bother God with this it's just not important it's trivial I, f I think this sometimes there are so many people worse off than me in the broad scheme of things 
this isn't very important. There's war in Syria. There's famine in East Africa. There are presidential issues in America. We've got a general election looming. We've got schoolgirls who've been kidnapped in Nigeria. We've got human rights abuses in the Middle East. And we've got ISIS plotting the downfall of Western democracy. So what place does my concern over my son taking his options this week have in all of that? Or my pondering about whether to change jobs in the summer? Or whether we can afford to pay all of the bills and have a holiday? Do you know the thoughts? I mean, the good news is, is that God is big enough for all of it. And that love is big enough to cover everything. God can deal with what is happening in Syria, in his own way and his own time. And he can also be concerned about whether Daniel should get his braces in August or September as well, because we matter to God, because we are his children. My Daniel's 12, and you know when he comes in every day after school, I want to know not just how have you done in your science, but what do you have for your dinner? And did you walk home with anybody today? And did you play football at dinner time? I'm his mom, and I want to know all of those details. And God's our Father, and He wants to know the little things. He knows how many hairs are on our head. Not one sparrow falls to the ground, but He doesn't know. Let's not keep things from God because He loves us, and we really matter and those details in our lives matter to God so if you've been holding back from bringing the little things to God and thinking they're not important enough or he hasn't got time or he's not interested he is big enough to cover it that love that it stretches high as the heavens are above the earth you can't measure it I think it's a trap to fall into to believe that our lives aren't important to God, and it separates us from the fullness of his love. So that's just what I want to leave us thinking about this morning as we start to draw things to a close. We're going to sing a song in just a minute about God being a good, good father. That's who he is, and we are loved by him. That's who we are. Let's let that love define us, be the main thing that defines us. The love that God pours into our life. But let's not forget that we matter. The little things matter. And don't hold them back from God. He is big enough to shoulder them all. We'll just think on that just for a moment. And then we'll sit and sing, he's a good, good father. This is the end of this message. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more about our church, please visit www.chowdean.org.uk and please take a minute to rate our podcast on iTunes.